Well, good morning, Christ Chapel. Great to gather together as the family of God to worship our Lord Jesus together. Hello to all of you joining us at all of our venues and online. And happy spring to all of you. Uh, You have survived spring forward. You have survived spring break. Those of you who took trips, especially the young children, survived spring break. Uh, And now I know that we're all into spring sports. Uh, Some of those are just watching, like the NCAA tournament, Go FAU. How crazy, huh? Isn't it crazy how well they're doing? Uh, But I know spring sports are in full swing. Both of our boys are full swing into soccer. Uh, Both of them play and uh, play a lot. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But being in the middle of spring sports reminded me of probably one of the most convicting things that anyone has ever said to me. Uh, This was a a few years ago, uh, a dad, and I wish I could give credit to this person. I don't remember who it is. So if it was you, just stand up and wave to everybody and go, that was me. That's fine. You do that. You deserve credit here. But a few years ago, I was talking to a dad and uh, he was asking me, you know, hey, how's it going with Dak, specifically our older one, uh, playing soccer? And I said, well, you know, it's pretty hard uh, because I grew up playing soccer. And so it's hard for me sometimes to watch him play because I overanalyze, you know, some of, you know, his spacing, his touches, his anticipation, all these different things that I, you know, I'm like, I wish he could do these things better. And it was really hard to not spend our car rides home, me critiquing his game and telling him 80 things that he's not going to remember for the next game about things that he could improve on. And this dad, very kindly uh, said, Cody, uh, Dax has a coach. He needs a dad. Oh, (laughs) I mean, it it still cuts me to the heart. We use that phrase as an ax. These people were cut to the heart. Still cuts me to the heart at this this moment. Uh, Because what that dad was telling me was there's only one person who can be Dax's dad. Coaches will will come and go, but if I neglect the responsibility of being his dad, then there will be a void in Dax's life. Nobody else can step into that role. There's only one person that God has said, you will be that boy's father, and that's me. And I cannot neglect that responsibility and try to take on other roles or responsibilities. Now, certainly there are things that we can talk about and I'll still confess, watching him and Hayes play soccer is still one of the most sanctifying experiences for my spiritual life. Uh, We were out there yesterday and having this illustration in mind, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do good, I'm gonna do good. Second half, not so good. I just confess, man, I am a work in progress uh, of God. But all that to say, I told you this in the pastor's desk, that hearing that line of Cody, Dax has a coach, he needs a dad, certainly changed the way that I try to interact with both Dax and Hayes, specifically when it comes to sports and, and how I talk to them and when I choose to say things, et cetera. But it's also changed the way that I think about church. And, and, and here's, here's how it's changed that way. 
There is one primary responsibility that God has given to the church, that if the church does not fulfill that role, there is no one else in this world that can do this, and that is make disciples. There is no other organization or organism in this world, and when I say organization, we all know that the church is made up of believers. It's not a building. So I'm talking about believers collectively. There is no other organism on the face of the earth that is called to make disciples. If the church does not make disciples, if we neglect that responsibility, then there will be a void in our churches and in our world that no one else can fill. There are a lot of great things that organizations do around the world. And we could do a lot of those things. But if we don't make disciples, then no one else will. See, as I've thought about it, what what I've realized is, and you need to hear me say this to you as a Christian, and I hear this myself as a Christian. People have friends. What they need are disciple-making friendships. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you will, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. It's page 835 if you're opening one of those blue Bibles. And we're continuing our series that we've called Empowered. And we're really going to launch off, you'll see in a second, from Acts chapter 2, where we're looking at what were the early activities and attitudes of that early church. Remember, after the first sermon that Peter preaches, he preaches the good news. 3,000 people come to know Christ, and the church immediately goes from 120 to 3,120. And we've been looking at what those early activities of a spirit-filled church look like. And remember, a spirit-filled church is not marked by charismatic expression, but rather Christ-like attitude and actions. And so we've been looking at what those actions and attitudes are, and now we're in a, in a little mini-series, it's the last little mini-series we'll do for the entire year as we go through Acts, where we're contextualizing what the early church did then and how we do that and apply that today in our our context in our modern world, in our lives, in everyday lives. And so that's where we are as we're going through the book of Acts. And last week, we talked about B. And we, I, I introduced all these aspects of discipleship back on uh, January 29th in the vision sermon. So some of this is going to be rehashing a little bit for you. But remember, last week, Ben walked us through being a disciple, being a disciple, which is loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew uh, 22, verse 37. And the way we define B is, am I growing in Christ? That, that was the definition, and we want you to be in God's word regularly. That's one aspect of discipleship, and one of the things I love that Ben said is, you have to take ownership of your own discipleship. No, no one else can make you be a disciple. You can take ownership to be a disciple yourself. That, that's your role. That's your responsibility. That's your personal relationship with Jesus. Now we're going to talk about make, the second aspect here as we've talked about closing our, our rings. And what I introduced in, in back in January, but I just want to remind you, and this is all at the top of your sermon notes, which I'm going to ask you to write a few 
few things down. I'm going to ask you kindly. So you do need uh, sermon notes if you would like to write these things down that I'll talk about a little bit later on. But I just want to remind you what we talked about with make. Uh, Making disciples. Remember the way that we defined make was are you helping someone else grow? Are you helping someone else grow? grow. And the the habit that we talked about was meeting with someone regularly, meet with someone regularly to help them grow spiritually. And the help that we had talked about was attend the MAKE conference. And we said this spring, well, that MAKE conference is coming up this Friday. And I want you to attend that MAKE conference this Friday. We've talked about the first thousand people that register uh, get one of Jonathan's books. Let me tell you, they're running out. And I'm super thankful for that because we have a lot of you coming. This is at all three campuses, but we need you to register. Uh, Kids ministry is limited. Obviously, the number of books that we've ordered is limited. We also need you to register because we're going to feed you. And so if you, we we want you to have a meal. (laughs) We want you to have a book. We want you to have a space to sit. So please uh, go uh, online and register for that today. It's at all three campuses. So uh, please do that. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm excited about what God is going to do this Friday night. Uh, so attend the MAKE conference. So that's, that was the help that we had given you to make disciples. And the reason why we want to give you a help in making disciples is because disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. True disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. And that is biblical, that is scriptural, however you want to say it. And and I want to show you that today. And we're going to dig in a little bit deeper on this making disciples initiative that we want to help you with because it's who God has called us to be as the church If we don't do it, if we neglect that responsibility, there will be a void in our world because people have friends. What they need are disciple-making friendships. And I'll show you that from Acts, Matthew, and then I'll give you some applications uh, at the end. So let's look at uh, back at Acts. We're going to jump off from there, but I want you to see that a spirit-filled church is devoted to helping one another grow spiritually. A spirit-filled church is devoted to helping one another grow spiritually, to grow up. And we're going to use this analogy of this, the, the birth. I talked about the birth of the early church, and we all know from John chapter 3, when Jesus talks about to Nicodemus how he has to be reborn. So babes in Christ, these babies in Christ that have just come to know Christ, they need to grow up. They need to grow up spiritually. They need to mature in Christ, and that's what they're doing. They're helping them do that in Acts chapter 2 through two main ingredients. If you look back, this will come up on the screen, but Acts chapter 2, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, which is the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then in verse 46, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together, that was to hear the apostles' teaching, and breaking bread in their homes, that was the fellowship, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And we talked about in Acts chapter 2, this particular section, we talked about how that word devoted, I love that word devoted, means to give oneself to. 
And they were giving themselves away to submitting to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship of the believers, that they were working that out. And these are the two main ingredients that, were help, that was helping the early church grow and helping these believers make disciples of Jesus. You see, disciples of Jesus help other disciples of Jesus grow through God's word. They help them grow through God's word. That the apostles' teaching was authoritative for these believers because remember the apostles had spent time with Jesus and so they're telling them, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus taught. This is how Jesus lived. And obviously a disciple of Jesus is not only a learner, that word disciple means learner, but a disciple is a full-fledged follower of Jesus. I am going to walk in his footsteps. I am going to treat others the way that he has treated me. That's what it means to be a disciple. And the apostles are teaching the early church how to do this. And I want to say one thing about teaching, because sometimes when we think about the word of God, we just think that it informs us. But the word of God does not only inform us, it transforms us. If you remember Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This idea that God's word can transform how I think. And he said, then you will know the will of God, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Then you'll know how to live. The word of God doesn't just inform us, but it transforms us in. It was transforming those early believers in the early church. That was the first element. The second element was the fellowship. See, disciples of Jesus help other disciples of Jesus grow in the context of relationships, of a relationship with one another. This context of relationships, and that's why I put in and highlighted verse 46 from Acts chapter 2 for you. Because if you'll look back, it's on your sermon notes, but if you look back, how regularly did they meet? Did you catch it? Day by day. And, the, and th there's a reason, guys, why we had the habit of meet regularly to help someone grow. And you go, day by day, Cody? Seriously. I, you know, I, I don't even like my family that much, you know? <laughs> You don't have to meet day by day, but let me tell you folks, and you, you, I hope, please, I hope you remember this time. Don't forget the time when you first came to know Jesus. You're so hungry. Man, when I first came to know Christ, I, I wanted to read his word every day. I wanted to be around believers every day. I, I just, I, I, want, I want to soak it in. That, that was the fire, that was the, that's what they, that's what, day by day, they're like, I can't get enough of Jesus. I can't get enough of his fellowship. I, I, wanna, I wanna hear his word. I wanna work that out with other believers. And that's why they were meeting together in homes, was not only to, to love one another the way that Jesus had loved them, but it's to work out those teachings of what they heard. Because they, you know, they heard, oh, Jesus says forgive, and they go, well, hey, can we talk about this in, in a smaller group? You know, here's what happened to me. How do I forgive this person? And you work that out in those smaller groups, but it's in the context of those trusting relationships. Those are the two guardrails to help us grow spiritually. The word of God 
in the context of relationships. And that's really important to remember because if you have one but not the other, you're not making disciples. If you just know a lot of God's word and you never encourage, share, exhort, pray for anything, the word with other people, you're not making disciples. You're not making another follower of Jesus. If you have great relationships with people, but you never talk about the word of God ever, wonderful, but you're not making disciples. Disciple making includes God's word and relationships. And so if these are the two guardrails, what is the aim? What is that driving us toward? It's taking us toward the target of Christ likeness. See, a spirit-filled church grows spiritually by making Christ-like disciples. A spirit-filled church grows spiritually by making Christ-like disciples. Please know that if there is one thing that I can assure you of that God is doing in your life right now, today, it is conforming you to the image of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he is conforming you to his son's image in every way possible. That's what we are called to do as we make disciples. We are, are, are part of the tools that God uses to help conform one another to the image of Christ. And that's why he tells us and gives us the commission to go and make disciples in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, and this was the verse that, that we talked about in our vision sermon back at the end of January. Jesus tells his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I, Jesus, have commanded you. Now, one of the things that I want to point out to you, and this is what, one of the reasons why I wanted you to have your sermon notes out, if you will, please, cir- circle make disciples. And the reason why I say circle make disciples is because that is the one imperative, the one command in those verses. Then there are three participles that come after that. That is while going, baptizing, and teaching. But the command is make disciples. This is what Jesus wants his disciples to do. Well, how do we do that? We do that while going, while we go throughout our our lives. We do it teaching them to observe what he has commanded and baptizing Certainly that, that means identification. We've talked about that. But teaching people how to identify with Christ in every area of their life. Certainly the first initiation of baptism, the, the immersion, get it. But later on, this identification with Jesus, how do I do that on a daily basis? Make disciples. That's the command. How? Teaching, baptizing, while going. And who are we supposed to to do that to. Disciple, go, go to all nations. 
Now, this, this goes without saying, but I just want to say it, because so often we read this verse and we go, this verse is for missionaries to go to foreign countries. Hold on, don't we live in a nation? This nation too, people in our own backyard, this is what we have been talking about. People have friends. What they need are disciple-making friendships. They need to be made into disciples to help mature, to help, help them grow. We all need that. I need that. Every one of us does. This is why Jesus gives this command. And so I want to say two things uh, based on this. The first is this. Disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus while growing in their own faith. While growing in their own faith. You know, sometimes we think that in order to make disciples, to teach other people to observe all that Jesus has commanded, that we have to be perfect. And we have to have all the answers. Let me quickly remind you of who he gave this command to. Do you remember the people that he gave this command to that are standing around him? These were all the people that days before had just abandoned Jesus. They had all just turned their back on him, said they didn't know him, walked away from him, didn't want to have anything to do with him. Then he even comes back and they begin to doubt that he's even real. He's standing in front of them and they're like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, you're fooling us here. You're tricking us. And he's like, no, I'm real. They, they didn't, these disciples didn't have a perfect track record. These disciples didn't have all the answers. And yet they're the ones that Jesus gives this command to say, go make disciples. Go help people grow up to look like me. And you just need to understand that, that God has not called you to be perfect. When they received the Holy Spirit, they were empowered to be his witnesses. They were not perfected. You and I are not perfect, and we will not be made perfect till we see Jesus face to face. So if we're waiting for perfection to qualify us to make disciples, then we'll never make disciples. Then there will be a void in this world as we neglect that responsibility. We have to make disciples and understand that we can do that while growing. The second aspect, disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus while going about their daily lives. While going. That's why I wanted to point out to you that was a participle because we see the way that it's written in the English and translated is go. Like that's a, that's a command to, to go. You don't have to go anywhere. You're already going about your everyday lives. Make disciples while you go about your daily lives. Be, and, and this is important because that is how people see how you walk with Jesus in every area of your life. We, people don't need an example of how to sit in a pew. Nobody needs that example. Love, love that you attend church, wonderful. I want you to continue to do that and we want to continue to equip, encourage, and edify you in your faith and we'll do that through God's word every Sunday, guaranteed. 
But people need to see, what does it look like to trust Jesus when my mom or dad are in the hospital? What does that look like? What does it look like when I'm dealing with a chronic illness? What does it look like when I'm dealing with a child who's wayward? What does it look like when I'm a student and man, all of my friends around me wanna go in the opposite direction of God? That's when people need those real examples of while going, showing people how to follow Jesus in their everyday lives. And what I wanna do is I wanna show you a, a, an example of a couple that is doing, I think, a, a fantastic job of in, incorporating this discipleship aspect of making disciples as they go about their daily lives. I just walked in and I just remember being like completely terrified of the college students and thinking, what do I have to offer these college students? Like, I don't have anything to offer. Like, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. Um, I'm terrified to talk to them right now. Like, what is it that they would want from me? When I used to think of uh, making disciples, I was primarily thinking about my uh, four kids specifically. I could only see serving my age kids. And so I kind of had blinders on of what else God could do in my life. And when we first got asked to be involved with the college ministry, we were like, no, that's that's not you know where we are. That's not our season in life right now. And finally, they just kind of said, hey, would you mind going and chaperoning on a mission trip? I couldn't picture us ever traveling out of the country to a third world country as a family because I was fearful of that. And the weirdest thing was God just completely gave me a piece over that. When we got back from our mission trip, we were thinking that maybe that was just a, a moment in time, but really it changed Laura and I's heart to basically say, no, this is the next 10, 15 years of your life. This is your new mission field. And it's right across the street from our house. The busyness of life kicked in and we didn't know how to balance what we already had. And one way that we figured it out was just inviting them in, inviting them in and saying, hey, you know, I know you need to talk right now, but I've got this volleyball game that I have to go to with the kids. Is there any way you'd want to come with me? We've had ones that I think, okay, well, what does she want from me? Like, how can I pour into her? What I realized quickly was, no, she was just wanting to sit and see what a family looked like. I think the biggest part of discipleship is just saying yes. And so when we said yes to going on that mission trip, God really opened up our eyes to, to so much more that he had in store for us, right? To grow us in our, in our faith. We just didn't know that when we were praying, God was gonna open the store and make it so much bigger than we could imagine to where as we are getting to disciple young college students, they're discipling our kids. There's just something about a father that, that sees how it's flowing through these young people into my kids, and it just brings Laura and I so much joy. I thought that I had nothing to offer them and that Troy and I together had nothing to offer them, but we really realized that God was just calling us to give our time. So, so many things I love about Troy and Laura's story and certainly thankful for them opening their home and giving God their time. Uh, but one of the things that I, I wanted you to see is this illustrated is, is first that this disciple making they're doing as a family, 
Like they're doing as a couple. You don't have to, disciple making doesn't have to be at the exclusion of your family. In fact, they, they do not neglect that responsibility. And they say, hey, this is my family. This is who I'm going to shepherd. This is who God has called me to, to, to disciple first and foremost. But I can open up my doors and, and go about my daily life. And I love how they, they incorporate that and say, you know, you heard Laura say, hey, I'm going to a volleyball game. You want to go? Because what did she realize that some of those girls want to see? They just want to see what a family looks like. What does a Christian family look like? God, do you realize there are people that don't know what that looks like in our lives, in our world today? What does a Christian marriage look like? It's not perfect. They, they admitted they're, they, they're not perfect. But what does it look like to, to forgive, to struggle, to to encourage all, all of those things. Uh, I love that they're, they're incorporating that disciple making into their family. What a great example they're setting for their own kids. But look at how faithful God is. That when they're pouring their lives into these students, those students are pouring their lives into their kids. And God's going, I haven't forgotten about you. You're not neglecting anything. Reminds me of Matthew chapter six, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put God's priorities first and they are putting the priority of making disciples as primary for their marriage, primary for their, their, their family, a primary for their ministry and super excited for them that they're doing it while they're going and thankful for them. But it takes one key element in order to be able to do that, and that's intentionality. You see, a spirit-filled church makes Christ-like disciples intentionally. It takes intentionality. It, 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 doesn't, just, it doesn't just happen. We have to say, hey, like, like Laura, I'll invite you to the volleyball game, or you saw her going on a walk, or you saw Troy walking into the coffee shop. Uh, with, with a guy, it takes some intentionality. And I certainly understand and I'll acknowledge again, you cannot make anyone grow. I get it. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But you can provide the right environment where God can grow disciples, can make and mature disciples. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused or, or gave the growth. Everybody has a part to play in this disciple-making process. The question is, are you playing your part? We all have to. We all have a part to play in making disciples. If you are a part of the body of Christ, you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, then you have a role in making disciples. Disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. If we say that this is who we are, then this is how we act. This, this is what, what we do as his disciples. And so let me give you two quick applications. And the first one is this. Make it a priority to meet with someone regularly to grow spiritually. Make it a priority to meet with someone regularly to grow spiritually. Now my guess is the majority of you say, Cody, I don't even know where to start. So 
I'm gonna try to be super practical with you and I'm gonna give you an acrostic. And this is the particular reason why I wanted you to have your sermon notes out and a pen. So I'll give you an acrostic. And the acrostic is PICK, P-I-C-K, okay, PICK. How, how do you make it a priority to meet with someone regularly? PICK, first, pray. Always a good way to start, right? Pray, pray and ask God. Who is around me that you would like me to encourage, to edify, to pour into, to sharpen, to walk alongside? Now, those can be certainly people inside our walls that God wants you to, to pour into. Certainly acknowledge, man, gosh, women's ministry is making disciples. Bands of brothers making disciples. Those that are serving in student ministry, serving in children's ministry. You are meeting with people regularly to help them grow. Awesome, praise God. We have those opportunities inside these walls. But we also have opportunities outside these walls. And those are people in your own spheres of influence that God is calling you to step in and come alongside them to help make disciples. And the, when, when, I, when I'm praying and if I feel like the Lord is leading me towards something or, or towards someone, here's often the question that I ask and I think you should ask yourself. If not me, then who? If I feel like God is calling me to step into that or to pour into that person, if not me, then who? Because oftentimes if, if God is calling me to do it, then the who is nobody else. He's like, no, that, no Cody, you're, you're hearing me correctly. It, it, you. That, that's, that's, you are a part of that next step. You're a part of that planting, watering, fertilizing, that part of that person's spiritual growth. So first, pray, okay? Second, invite. God put somebody on your mind, invite. Take the initiative to invite. Invite them to a specific place, a specific time, and here's a key, a specific duration. Specific duration. I, I could go and ask somebody, Will, will you meet with me? And I guarantee you they will be afraid that I'm asking them to meet with me from now till Jesus comes back. And they'll go, no, never. But if I say, hey, can we meet three times? I, I, have, three, I have three specific questions and we, can we meet for breakfast three times? I, I'd, I'd, I'd love, to talk, or love to talk to you about what do you think it means to be a Christian man to be a Christian husband and to be a Christian father. There's three meetings. Meet, okay? And initiate, and that's why I say the specific duration. If something happens and chemistry is great and it sparks something, great, keep meeting. But it gives it a, a start time and an end time that's more doable for folks uh, today. So invite. Third, choose. Choose. Choose something to discuss around scripture. Choose something to discuss around scripture. That can be, you can use the back of the sermon notes that you're writing on right now. 
That's very easy to, to discuss. Ask wonderful questions. Discuss those. You can discuss, you can just sit down. I talked with a guy this week. Uh, he's a part of a group of four guys. They meet once a month for barbecue and they talk about, they talk about different topics like I just mentioned. Uh, the last thing that they just talked about was, what was one, what's one Bible verse that God has continued to bring to mind to challenge and sharpen you? That was the topic of conversation. Still discussing God's word. You can, I, I, I do some things with guys that, uh, it's an email that comes in, a verse that comes in every day. And I do that with two, two other guys. So there, there's a variety of ways. God's word and relationships, the guardrail. So choose, just choose something, okay? And then uh, the K, keep it real. Keep it real. And here's, here's what I mean by that. You will inevitably encounter everyday life. Don't ignore it. And don't over-spiritualize it. Don't, go, don't run past it. Don't run away from it. God is calling you to walk with that person through some of those, those hard times. And some of the things that they need most are just your presence and your prayers. So walk alongside them. Keep it real. None of us are perfect. You don't have to paint yourself to be perfect. You don't have to ask them to be perfect perfect. We're all pointed toward Christ's likeness and none of us will completely arrive there till we see him face to face. So keep it real. P-I-C-K. Now some of you are saying, Cody, I'm not ready to make disciples. I need to be made into a disciple. Great. Use the same criteria. Pick. Pick somebody that you respect their relationship with Jesus that you want to emulate. I did that when I came to Christ Chapel. Uh, many of you know this, but one of my mentors is Doug Cecil. Doug Cecil, I told him, Doug, I will buy you breakfast on Thursday mornings if you'll just meet with me. And we met at the Vickery Street Cafe uh, on Thursday mornings for breakfast, and I would ask him a variety of questions because I needed to be made into a disciple and still continue to. And he ended up graciously meeting with me for three years on Thursday mornings. And it was a great, wonderful time. I still continue to, to ask Doug for mentorship in my own life. And I still have those, those men that pour into me. I'm so thankful for them because I need to be made into a disciple. So maybe you're not ready to make, then go, go be made. Pick, pray, God, who do you want me to ask? Who can I invite to have breakfast? I'll pay for it, you know? Choose something, I, I hear something, or invite them to it. Choose something to discuss. I have three questions for you. I, I have two questions for you. And then just keep it real. I'm not perfect, I need your help. I need your encouragement, I need your prayers. Those same, that same acrostic works whether you're making disciples or needing to be made into a disciple. And the last application is this, make it your goal to both grow in Christ-likeness. Make it your goal to both grow in Christ-likeness. I guarantee you, Troy and Laura would say that they are being made into disciples of Jesus as they make disciples. And that's the goal. Troy and Laura aren't trying to make more Troys and Lauras. They're trying to make followers of Jesus. And that's our goal. Don't, I, don't, I don't want anybody to be like me. We don't want anybody to be like us. We want people to be like Jesus. That's the aim, that's, that's the goal, and that's God's will, is that we would be conformed into the image of Christ. 
Because if the church isn't making those disciples, those Christ-like disciples, then no one else will. So please, Christian, hear me say, people have friends. What they need are disciple-making friendships. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for um, your enablement by the power of your spirit to do what you've called us to do. Thank you that you'd never call us to do something you're not gonna equip and empower us to do. And so, Lord God, would you give us the courage and the faith to step out and to come alongside other believers that need to, to grow and mature, just like we all do. May we be sensitive to those folks in and around us that need a pick-me-up, that need an encouragement, that need a, a tap on the shoulder that says you're going in the right direction. Lord, we want to be your disciples. And we know that to be one, we need to make one. And so, Lord God, would you, by the power of your spirit, lead us into those places as we know that you will never leave us alone. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.